0: chapter 8 of in the schoolroom this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org in the schoolroom by john s hart chapter 8 knowledge before memory i have had frequent occasion to urge upon teachers the importance of cultivating the memory of their pupils The old-fashioned plan of requiring the young to commit to memory precious truths, in those very words in which wise and far-thinking men have handed them down to us, has too much gone out of use. I have felt called upon, therefore, from time to time, to recall to the minds of teachers the unspeakable importance of early exercising the memory of children, and of storing their memories with wise sayings and rules. I would not take back anything I have said on this subject, but rather repeat and reiterate it at the same time i am aware that there is an extreme in this direction and i therefore put in a word of caution the danger to which i refer is that of requiring children to commit mere words to which they attach no meaning or without their having any real knowledge of the things expressed by the words of course there is much in the formulas and rules of science that the immature minds of children cannot entirely comprehend and i am far from saying that a child should commit nothing except what it can comprehend but whatever in a rule or a doctrine they can understand should be diligently explained to them, and the ingenuity of teachers should be exercised in awakening the minds of their scholars to the apprehension of real knowledge as a preliminary to the act of committing it to memory. An example or two will illustrate my meaning. Children at school are required to commit to memory the tables of weights and measures. The exercise is one of acknowledged and indispensable importance but it is possible for a child to repeat one of these tables with entire glibness and accuracy pretty much as he would whistle yankee doodle without any apprehension of the actual things which the terms of the table represent he may learn to say sixty seconds make a minute sixty minutes make a degree three hundred and sixty degrees make a circle with no more idea of the things expressed by this formula of words than the parrot who has been taught to say you are a big fool If the teacher will show the child an actual circle, with the degrees, minutes, and seconds marked, and will let him count them for himself, so that he has real knowledge of the things, he will then not only commit this formula of words to memory more easily, but the knowledge itself will promote his mental growth. He will be feeding on real knowledge, not on its husks. So in learning about inches, feet, yards, rods, and miles, let the teacher, with foot rule and yardstick, show what these measures really are, let him by some familiar instance give the child an idea of what a mile is, and then let the memory be invoked to store up the knowledge gained. So with ounces, pounds, and hundredweights; so with gills, quarts, and gallons. The common weights and measures are as necessary in the schoolroom as are spelling-books and arithmetics. The actual weights and measures, so far as possible, should be exhibited, should be seen and handled, and the child's mind made to grasp the very things which the terms express, that is he should first get real knowledge and then he should store his memory with it in exact words and forms of expression this is the true mental order knowledge first then memory get knowledge then keep it any other plan is like attempting to become rich by inflating your bags with wind instead of filling them with gold or attempting to grow fat by bolting food in a form which you cannot digest some teachers in their fear of cramming children with words spend their whole time and energy in awakening thought, and none in fixing upon the memory the thoughts which have been awakened. They are so much afraid of making children parrots that they discard rules entirely in teaching, or require pupils to frame rules for themselves. This is to go into the opposite extreme. The rules and formulas of science require the greatest care and consideration, and a large and varied knowledge. Few even of men of learning, and of those specially skilled in the meaning of words and the use of language, are qualified to frame scientific rules and propositions. To suppose that young children, just beginning to feel their way into any department of science, are competent to such a task is simply absurd. Yet this is by no means uncommon. A teacher will conduct a boy intelligently and skillfully through the process of doing a sum in arithmetic, or analyzing a sentence in grammar, and then say to him, Now form a rule for yourself, stating how such things should be done. The first step here is right. Take your pupil by the hand and conduct him through the process or thing to be done. This is necessary to enable him to understand the rule. But when he thus gets the idea, then give him the rule or principle as it is laid down in the book, in exact and well-considered words, and let him commit those words thoroughly to memory, without the change or the omission of a word or a letter. What is thus true as to the method of teaching the common branches of knowledge is equally true in the study of religious knowledge. I would not set a child to framing a creed or a catechism, nor, on the other hand, would I require him to commit such formulas to memory, without making some attempt to awaken in his mind previously an apprehension of the ideas which the creed or formula contains. I do not say that a child's mind is competent to grasp all the truths embraced in these symbols. But there is no portion of any religious creed or catechism that I have ever seen, some of the terms of which are not capable of being apprehended by children. A wise teacher, in undertaking to indoctrinate a child in such a formula, will begin by showing him as far as possible what the words mean, by exciting in him ideas on the subject, by filling his mind with actual knowledge of the truths contained in the formula. Then, when the words of the formula have become to the child's mind instinct with meaning in life, The teacher will pause to stamp them in upon the memory. That is the way to study a catechism. First, give the child, so far as possible, the meaning, then grind the words into him. Do not set him to making a catechism. Do not let him stop at understanding the meaning without committing the words. Two phrases will cover the whole ground. Knowledge before memory, memory as well as knowledge. End of chapter 8. Knowledge before memory.